Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. Good to see you guys today. Thank you for coming out. Greet everybody that watches on Facebook. We got folks that just contact me periodically from all over, and we're, we're excited about that. If you're local, come here. But uh, if you're in Amarillo, Texas, we got them watching there just about every Sunday in different places. Uh, and we just love those guys that communicate with us. And glad to be able to provide it. Thanks to Mr. Goldstein back there, Pastor Adam, all of them that do that. We appreciate them. Today I want to talk about something I don't talk about too often, but I want to talk about healing. Uh, we're entitling this grace, Our Hope for Healing. How I many knows God still heals people? And I'm talking about physically, uh, not just you know emotionally or, or that kind of thing, but God is still a God that heals. I've experienced it. Uh, I've seen God. Uh, power manifested through those that believe in him. It says that we will lay hands on the sick and they shall what? They'll recover. And uh, so I want to talk to you about that this morning. There's a story in the Bible, and I won't take time to read it this morning just for the sake of time. It's fairly familiar to people. It's actually in all the synoptic gospels. Um, it's in Mark 9 is the main passages that seem to be more clear in recounting the story and then it's also in Matthew uh, the 17th chapter and also Luke the 9th chapter and it's a story and I want you to just imagine this for a moment then I'll let you be seated but imagine that you're a disciple of Jesus you've had a successful ministry you've been empowered by him and uh, you have seen tremendous healings and miracles under your hand uh, you went out where he sent you out two by two and you come back rejoicing and said even the demons have to obey us and you've experienced that kind of results from that uh, discipleship from that ministry and then one day a father brings his son to you and right in front of you this boy this young son has a seizure I don't know if any of you have seen a seizure. I was a paramedic for 20 years, and there's actually a seizure called Grand Mal, M-A-L, seizure. It's very, uh, you know, throughout the body. It's pretty violent looking, and it can be really frightening to people who have never seen a seizure. They're not really breathing very well during a seizure, and they'll, you know, change colors and foaming at the mouth, as they say it, because they're not able to swallow, and a lot of, a lot of stuff's going on, and it's pretty it's pretty frightening and especially if there's a demon behind it like in this story in the Bible and so that happens right in front of your eyes and uh, and then you pray for this boy and you can't heal him he doesn't get any better how would you react to that what how would you process it what would you do and the very fact that you have been used by the Lord to do those things in the past is what leads to great confusion of why you can't do it now. And so that's what I want to talk about today because that's why it's in the Bible. And it gives us answers. And a lot of the answers and even the doctrines that we've come up with are not in the Bible. Amen? You're interested in any of that today? All right, let's go after it. Father, we love you. We thank you for giving us the word of God. We thank you that your son Jesus is the word made flesh. We pray today that you would open up our understanding. You said in all thy getting, get wisdom, get understanding. Help us to understand, Father, 
how important we are to the link of healing being displayed to people that so desperately need it. We ask for that grace to just be so clear to us today that you've paid it all. By your stripes, we were healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now shake somebody's hand. Give them a real big smile. Say welcome to Grace Point. Glad you're here. You're looking good on Sunday morning. If that happened to you, the scenario that I just gave you, because this really happened to those disciples, let me explain something to you so you kind of get the real picture of the whole setting here. Jesus has taken three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. Uh, it's in the evening time, and he's gone up to the mountain called the Mount, now it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. It's because what was on the inside of Jesus was manifested on the outside, and he was transfigured in their very physical sight, and it just blew their minds. He, he, he glowed, he, he, just the illumination of, of that glorious splendor of, of Jesus. And, of course, uh, they wanted to build three uh, tabernacles, not churches, but these tabernacles from the Feast of Tabernacles on that mountain to commem commemorate uh, what had happened. And, and, of course, they're talking, and then God speaks and says, you know, this is my son, hear ye him. In other words, quit talking, Peter, listen to let my son talk, and uh, just amazing thing, and they're up there all night. Uh, they come down the mountain with those three, now there's nine disciples left, and that morning, this father brings his uh, son to those nine disciples. Uh, they're very confident because they've been used tremendously by, by uh, you know, healing, and They've been doing that in their ministry. And there's many verses that say that, and I won't read them all to you, where they've come back rejoicing. They, they went into the cities, healed all the sick, and they, they, they were doing the stuff. These are not novices. These are not rookies. These are experienced disciples, ministers, who are spending pretty much 24-7 with Jesus Christ, and they've done the miracles. And now they're confronted with this dad. He brings his son to them. Uh, right in front of them, he has a very violent seizure, and they pray for him, and they don't get any results that they're looking for. Now, if that happened to, to you, how would you react? What would you conclude from that? Uh, a, would you conclude that it's not God's will to heal the sick, or all the sick? We'd say it that way. So it's not God's will that he heals all the sick. You ever heard anybody talk like that today? Sure you have. There's, there's whole denominations that have that view. It, it's not God's will to heal all the sick. In fact, they even go on and carry it to a further blasphemous step and say God's behind the sickness, that God gives people sickness. He gives people cancer. He, he's trying to just uh, teach them something. Or would you conclude, uh, B, that God, uh, you'd tell the father of this uh, son that uh, God can heal your son but he's just simply not going to heal him today. And we don't know why. Maybe he's trying to teach you patience. Maybe he's trying to teach you something by allowing your son. In other words, he didn't give, make your son sick, but he's allowing him to be sick, and he's not going to heal him today because God wants you to learn something from this. I mean, he's heard people talk like that. Pretty stupid, isn't it? Or would you conclude, C, you would speculate that the reason the healing didn't manifest is because either this son that you're praying for or the father who brought him to you has, must have some unconfessed sin that's blocking 
and keeping the healing from manifesting. You ever heard people talk like that and give that as a reason? Why not? Or uh, you would just D, you would just say, well, the boy is healed and you just have to claim it. And you say that while he's writhing on the ground, violently shaking from a seizure, and you look at this dad and say, well, don't worry about that, he's healed. And the dad looks at you like you're a nut. Or either C, you're just totally puzzled and confused by what's going on here. Uh, if you choose A and, and say it's not God's will to heal all the sick all the time, then what you're doing is you just built your own theology based on your own life experiences. In other words, you're letting life experiences or the lack thereof to define God to you. And you're letting that one moment shape your image and view of God and his kingdom, which is what a lot of people do. Uh, if, you, uh, if you choose B and say, well, you know, uh, God can heal, but he's just not going to, then that doesn't bring any comfort to that dad. And what you're saying is that, that God used to heal, but he doesn't heal today. And we got a whole lot of folks that say that, that God doesn't do miracles anymore, and any people or any group of Christians that believe he does is just kind of touched in the head, you know. If you choose C, your view is C, that you speculate, well, there's some unconfessed sin that's blocking it, then what you're really saying is that sin can stop the power of God, which it can't. And the proof that it can is if sin can stop the power of God, no sinner could ever get saved because it takes the power of God to cause a person to be born again. So if sin could stop the power of God, nobody would be saved. See how stupid that is? Uh, if you choose D and say, well, he's healed, just claim it while he's sitting there convulsing, then that's, that, just, that doesn't make sense. The father's just going to think you're a nutcase and you're, in, you're involved in some kind of cultic, religious, you know, uh, mind over matter kind of deal. Uh, the, the very fact that these disciples, disciples are puzzled, in other words, later on, uh, they ask Jesus, why could we not heal the boy? The only reason they're asking that question is because it shocked them that they couldn't do it. Because that's the only reason they're asking it, because they had, they, 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 they'd been able to do it in, in cases before. And so when you see this, this is an, an intense encounter here. Uh, this boy is afflicted with a, a, de excuse me, a demon that is behind the seizures. And, uh, and, and the disciples tried to drive out the demon, but they failed. And so then Jesus walks up with those three disciples and uh, he sees the crowd, you know, fussing at them or arguing with them or discussing uh, them. And, and he walks up and Jesus says, what are, you, what are you talking about with my disciples? The dad speaks up because he's got the most to, to win or lose. And the dad says, I brought my son to your disciples to heal him and they couldn't do it. Now right there is where a lot of the church in America is, right there. People come to us, they come for prayer, they come for this, and you can't do it. All right, so then you got to explain. You feel like you got to explain why it didn't work. So that's where you come up with these stupid non-biblical theologies that are not theologies at all. Well, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, God don't want all the sick healed all the time, and the proof of that is all the sick are not healed all the time. So then, and, and, you, and you just keep coming up with some natural man-made-up reason why 
that we don't see the healing uh, manifested. And so the disciples did come to Jesus privately and they said, why couldn't we heal him? Why couldn't we drive out the demon? They want to know. So Jesus' answer to their question, it really, I think, surprised them and it may surprise you. Uh, it, it, it may also answer questions for me and you, you and I, that, that, of why more people are not healed today. Um, why did the disciples fail? Why couldn't they not heal this boy? Now, contrary to what most of the time you hear in regard to this, the answer has nothing to do with their faith. We've got a lot of Christians busy trying to fix something that's not broke. And uh, the, the disciples had faith to heal and to deliver people or they could not have been doing it in the first place. Obviously, they had faith in the name of Jesus. They had declared they had faith in his name and they'd been doing the miracles. So what's the big obstacle in this particular case? Why can't they do it? And in fact, Jesus, he, he rebuked the disciples when they asked him the question, why couldn't we do it? And what he rebuked them for was their unbelief. Uh, he, he said, because of your unbelief. That was his answer. Because of your unbelief. Now listen, we tend to think that, that faith and unbelief are the two opposite ends of the same stick. You hear me? In other words, we think that faith and unbelief are the same thing, and they're totally not. You can have faith... And yet you can, be, you're, you can have unbelief. And Jesus talked about that. He, he, he said that in, in Matthew 21, 21. He said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt. He said, if you have faith and do what? And do not doubt. All doubt is is the manifestation of unbelief. So in other words, you can have faith. Faith is not the problem. The problem is unbelief. And he said, if you, can, if you have faith and don't doubt not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. But he said you, you got to have faith and not doubt, not doubt. See, one of them mentioned, you know, I think Demetrius mentioned on the praise, all of God's promises, the New Testament says, are yes and amen, right? All of God's promises. How many of God's promises? All of God. Is, is there promises in the Bible regarding our healing? Is there promises in the New Testament regarding our healing? 1 Peter 1.24, by his stripes you were healed. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good. How, what does good look like? Healing all that were sick. How many that were sick? Healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. See, for, first off, the reason more people are not healed today is because we're not praying for them. See, see how simple that is? We, we're just simply not praying for them. It's just an area that's a big challenge to a lot of believers because you've done it maybe. If, in other words, if you're bold enough and you, you've prayed. In other words, let's say you've got two people that you love dearly. You pray for one and they don't die. You pray for the second one, same prayer, and they die. You bury them. You go to their funeral. You, you just you can't figure it out. And if you're not very, very careful, you'll go into unbelief. And it will rob you of ever even having the desire or to pray for anybody else. Now, it's important to have faith. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus uh, said to the boy's father, everything is possible to him who believes. Remember the dad, you know, 
when he, you know, he said, I brought my son to your disciples and I asked them to heal him. They couldn't do it. And he looks at Jesus and said, if you can do anything, heal my boy. In other words, that's what we want to do. We think healing is God's job. We think healing the sick is God's responsibility. We think God is the one that does it. And, and the Bible in the New Testament says for you and I to heal the sick. It don't even tell us to pray for the sick. It says heal the sick. You hear that? See, so when you make statements like that, they're in the Bible. That gives you that that powerful level of silence, because our brains are trying to process what our heart clearly understands. If we're born again, the Bible says that these signs shall follow them believe in my name. Not not an incantation, not a rabbit's foot, not a formula, but they'll stand in my name. And they'll do what I would do if I was there. They'll heal the sick. They'll cast out demons. They'll raise the dead. They'll do it. They'll do what I've done. Because greater things shall they do because I go to my Father. That's what the book says. That's what the Word of God says. So, so uh, you know, it, Jesus turns it back on the dead he said, if you can do anything, heal my son. He said, if you can only believe. The deal is belief. All things are possible to them that believe. And what was the father's response? Lord, I believe. Then he says, help my unbelief. In other words, the father is saying by that statement, I have faith, but I'm also wrestling with unbelief. Help me with that. Jesus didn't say, go home, come back when you get that dealt with. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Right in front of Jesus, the same thing that happened to those disciples happens to Jesus. This boy, this demon causes a full body convulsive seizure to hit this kid. And he's wallowing and writhing in the ground right in front of Jesus. And he's watching it. How many of you ever seen anybody have a, a convulsive seizure regardless of his cause? It's pretty frightening, isn't it? Especially the first time you ever saw it. Imagine that happening. When it happens in front of Jesus, Jesus doesn't freak out. He talks to the dad. He says, how long has this been happening to him? That's what Jesus did. He looks at the dad. He says, how long has this been happening to him? Dad says, since he's been a little kid. And oftentimes it says it tries to throw him into the fire and into the water to drown him. In other words, this demon is trying to kill my boy. Trying to kill him. This ain't no joke. This is a real dad that's got a real family problem and a kid that he loves. And he don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, Nazarene, or Tangerine. He just wants his boy healed. He don't need to see your statement of faith or your doctrine of divinity, all that stuff. He just wants God, through you who represent him, to help him. And that's where a lot of people in this world are. They just need God. They need help in where they find themselves. And we're the ambassadors for Christ. We represent another kingdom. We are endued with power from on high. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth within us. Sometimes I have this image of Jesus being the head of the body of Christ. And this perfect head and this skinny, withering, almost dried up body attached to that head. 
And I want to tell you, that body's going to grow into his head. Do you hear me? Do you know what I mean by that? See, because Ephesians 4 says we're growing in, up in all things into him. Just because something doesn't work the first time you did it or tried it or even the tenth time, just because it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not true. Just because your experience was not that I prayed for somebody and they got healed doesn't mean that you come up with a theology that explains God don't heal today or it's God's will for this person to be sick. Because first thing you got to know is what is the will of God. And the Bible teaches us clearly that Jesus is the will of the Father manifested. So if you want anything that you ever come up with in your mind that you think you know about God or you believe about God that you cannot prove in the life of Jesus on earth, you better call it into question. Because Jesus demonstrated the will of God. But Jesus, if he, Jesus, how many believes Jesus was God? Emmanuel, God with us. But let me tell you something. Jesus was not God pretending to be a man. Jesus was the God-man. He was 100% man. He still was God, but listen to me. He did not use any of his divinity. Let me ask you this. Does, Jesus, does God slumber or sleep ever? Never even takes a nap, does he? What was Jesus doing in the boat, though, when he was crossing the Galilee with the disciples? He was asleep. That's not the God part. That's the man part. Jesus, did God get tired? No, but Jesus grew weary and sat on the side of a well and said, I don't even feel like going to town and get a hamburger. Y'all bring me one back. Right? And a woman shows up and talks to him. She don't know who he is. And he looks at her and says, if you knew who you was talking to, you'd ask me and I'd give you a drink. And you would never thirst again. Does God know everything? Sure he does. But yet Jesus grew in wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom if you know everything? Another proof verse that he had to grow in wisdom. He, in other words, Jesus said, follow me. If Jesus done everything and there were, the reason he raised the dead, the reason he did this is because he's God, then stop following him because you can never follow him. But Jesus said, follow me because everything that I do and I'm the prototype, you can do what I do because I'm in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory being manifested. So he grew in wisdom. God don't need to grow in wisdom. The verse I've already quoted, Acts 10, 38, where it says, How God anointed, is God already anointed? Can God get more anointed? Yet Jesus got anointed by God. What part is he anointing? The man. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth he gives his address not Jesus the word of heaven but Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Holy Spirit who went about with that anointing doing good healing all that were sick and oppressed by the devil do you see so first off you got to have a firm foundation in the humanity of Jesus Christ Therefore, if, see, listen, Jesus never did any miracle except by the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not do one miracle, not even walking on water, not raising Lazarus from the dead. Everything he did, he did as a man full of the Holy Spirit of God. Every miracle, not one. If Jesus pulled one rabbit out the hat and done something that's not available to you and I, then we, he is not our example, nor could he ever be. 
If Jesus did what he did as God, I'm, I'm impressed and I applaud. I'm blown away. Yay. Wow. It's powerful. But if he did what he did as a man full of the Holy Spirit, then I'm challenged to find out how he did it and to, to imitate him. That's why when I had a mom many, many years ago in another church I pastored, had a little boy named Jonah that died. She had told me before his death he had cancer. She said, if he dies, I want you to pray to raise him from the dead. Real long story, very short. He did die. I did pray to raise him from the dead right in the hospital with her by my side. He didn't get up. Not, and, and that wasn't good enough for her. So he's been embalmed now. He's in a little casket. He's in her living room. She said, I want you to call the church together when everybody comes over and the viewing or whatever that they're going to do in my home. I want you to pray again that God will raise him from the dead. Somebody say pressure put on a preacher. But my love and compassion for that woman and my belief in God refused to allow me to go religious on her. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And with a lot of my church folks around me and people all there and people that I did not know was there as well, I thought I would just try to do it like Jesus did. The Bible said Jesus went Lazarus to me and said with a loud voice, <laughs> he called him my name, Lazarus, stand up, come forth. So I was dumb enough to just with a loud voice say, Jonah, arise. And I remember I peeked to see if he was doing it because I really believed it was possible. I got called every name under the sun by our fellow Christians in our community for doing that. How dare he? Only God can raise the dead. How stupid must y'all's pastor be? That proves you go into a cult because he tried to raise the dead. The disciples raised the dead. The apostle Paul raised the dead. Paul preached so, such a long sermon one time, the boy fell out of a second, third story window and killed himself, failed and got, he, he died. Paul goes out and raises him from the dead, comes back in and continues his sermon. I think I would have quit preaching after the <laughs> somebody died. Jesus empowered us to do what he did. How many people have you ever even heard try to raise someone in America from the dead? I'm not saying that because that makes me special, but I've read the book. The Bible says in Acts that many women received their dead raised back to life again because the power of God was moving in the New Testament church. What's happened to us? Religion. Men's head has engaged and come up with doctrines that are not doctrines at all. And our heart, though it has faith in Jesus, our hearts are filled with unbelief. And that man knew that. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so the father is saying that I've got faith, but I've also got unbelief. And let me tell you what unbelief does. It nullifies faith. It's like having a wagon with two teams of horses on opposite ends, both pulling with all their might. And one team of horses nullifies the strength and the power of the other team, and the wagon goes nowhere. And so that's what faith and unbelief does. And Jesus told them, he said, it's because of your unbelief. 
Jesus said, and, and this is what the church has interpreted, and they've got some wrong translations there, but they've said the problem was you don't have enough faith. So go and get faith, come back, and then we'll see about it. That's not what Jesus ever taught. Jesus said, the reason Jesus said the problem is of your unbelief, and he said if you have faith as a mustard seed. In other words, Jesus is saying the problem here is unbelief, and he said it's not your faith. Do you understand that the faith you have was a gift from God? And if you say the problem is I don't have proper faith, good faith, enough faith, what you're saying is God disperses, you know, flawed faith. Because Paul said the life that I now live, I live in the faith of, not in, of the Son of God. Paul said the faith that I live by is faith of the Son of God. And the Bible says unto every man that's been born again, God has given them the measure of faith. What measure? The measure you need. So the problem is not faith because your faith ain't something you manufactured or come up with on your own. The faith you have is the faith of Jesus that he gifted you when you were born again. So your problem is not that you need more faith. One translation reads, that it says, oh ye of little faith. In other words, you got little faith, that's why you couldn't do it. That's a wrong translation. Just like it says in the New King James Version in Matthew 17, 20. It, it, it says because of your unbelief. Unbelief. And the word, some of them translate little faith, it's the same word unbelief that's used in the Greek that, that the Father said. Lord, help my unbelief. Exact same Greek word. So Jesus is clearly saying, and so if you read a translation that says the reason you can't you know, heal the boys because you had little faith, you throw that translation on that one verse out because that's, that's a wrong, the translators uh, uh, messed that up. They didn't use the same word. Be consistent. Use the same word. Use the word that Dad used, unbelief. It's a Greek word, apista, and so it's, it means unbelief. And so Jesus said the problem is because of your unbelief. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus, what must, you know, why couldn't we do it? He says, because of your unbelief. And then he said this statement to them, and a lot of people don't like this. He said, he said for this kind, this kind goes forth only but by prayer and fasting. Okay? Now, people have taken that phrase there, and they have used it as a formula. In other words, and I usually didn't understand that. So in other words, it sounded like to me that the Bible was saying that if I would pray and fast enough, I would have power to do these kind of miracles. So guess what I did? I prayed and fasted a lot. I had a regimen at one point of praying and fasting, not even letting seven days go by without fasting. I would try to fast at least 24 hours uh, every week. There's been times I've been on extended long fasts with no food. There's been times I've been on a 40-day fast with no food, with just drink. That's tough. I hate fasting because I like eating. <laughs> My body likes eating. My stomach starts speaking in tongues when it don't get food. Kind of a growling tongue, but it's still a tongue. It becomes vocal. Feed me now. I used to think that prayer and fasting moved God. It does not. Prayer and fasting, neither does it move the devil. It does not. Prayer and fasting moves you. So why pray and fast? We're not earning anything. You're not banking up power in your gas tank. You're not filling your tank. No. What, so, so what is the remedy for unbelief? I'm giving it to you. Starve it. Starve it. 
you starve your unbelief. So if your body is saying the Bible's wrong and I got pain, therefore I'm, 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 my healing is not real, then starve it. In other words, your body, you got to sometimes let your body know you're not in charge. You're, you're not in charge. I know you act like you are, but you're not. I'm in charge. The spirit man on the inside of me is your boss. You're not my boss. You're not my boss. So sometimes if you're trying to deal with something as, as a habit or something, one of the you know, easiest ways to do it. I mean, if you're just like, you know, just some person just, you know, letting some fleshly thing drive you, I tell you how to do it. Just stop throwing biscuits in that hole. That body will calm right down, come in line. You'll be amazed how good you'll hear. I've looked back and I was thinking about today, thinking about this message, and, and I've seen some tremendous miracles that God has allowed me to, to participate with, with him. A lot of people sitting here, my wife, Pastor Keith, different ones that's been with me so long, they know this is true. They've seen me prophesy to a single mom who wasn't even, didn't even have a boyfriend that she would have a daughter one day. And it was the dream of her heart. And now every day I can pull that little girl up on Facebook. She's a little beauty pageant winning princess. I've prayed for people and God spoke and said there's someone here with screws and plates in bones that need healing and I prayed for that and a person with screws and plates and eight titanium screws in an ankle who had lost this ability to move plantar flexion was gone due to a horrible fracture God healed totally in that moment and full movement came back when just a week prior an orthopedic surgeon when the woman asked, can I get these plates and screws out? He said, you can, but your movement won't return. Your bones are fused. Yet that night when she left that church service where I called that out and prayed that prayer, she walked right up the set of stairs that lead into her home, totally healed. And her husband called me the next morning like a kid with a new toy. And them two had stayed up all night long, he said, Laughing, dancing, praising, and crying. Because God did something awesome. But if you want to see a miracle, you have to work one. In the New Testament, there's no gift of miracles. There's the gift of the working of miracles. And God needs a vessel to work through. Just like for the devil to show out, he needs a vessel. And the, de and the kingdom of darkness can be really manifested through somebody that yields that to that. We had one of my wife's co-workers in the shooting, what, was it, what state was it, Wisconsin? Yeah, Milwaukee, I think. And the other night we got a thing on our phone from her co-worker and said, please pray, my mom's uh, barricaded in her office in, in Milwaukee and there's an active shooter going through the building shooting and I think he killed like five people. And while that was going on, she texted her daughter, which is my wife's co-worker, and says, y'all please pray for my mom. That's the kingdom of darkness being manifested, but it had to have a vessel to do it. God needs a vessel. He needs people that believe in him, that believe his word, and that will lay hands on the sick. 
And if they don't recover, that don't, that don't change theology. It doesn't change doctrine. It doesn't change God. There's more at stake and there's more going on than our little minds can process. And we're all growing up into him and we don't have it all figured out. And we don't see all the spiritual ramifications. We just don't, we don't have all the information. And you don't need to. But I look back on my life and, I, and, and all those miracles, and I could just, just keep naming miracles after miracles that I've seen. And, uh, man, but you know what? One, I was saying, now, what's the common thread through all of those with me? Just me. I'm just trying to look at my life and kind of, you know, you know what, was, what was, was there anything in, in a common deal, you know, with most of those? And I would just say with most of those. Now, I, I, you know, one time my, uh, my wife was in the hospital, and I've never hardly ever even seen her in the hospital. Uh, at that point, and, and really she hadn't been in there since, but she, she went to the hospital to have a kid. That was it. Well, she got real sick, and, and, and she was in ICU. Imagine that. I'm a young guy, young preacher. We got all three of the little kids, you know. They're real small, the, you know. And I had a revival to go to in Enigma, Georgia. Y'all ever heard of Enigma? There was going to be an Enigma that happened over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I went, you know, my wife, I said, I'm going to cancel the revival. She said, no, I want you to go. I mean, it's close. I'm okay. You know, I just don't, you know, don't cancel. So I went. And I remember the first night I was there, a lady come in, and, you know, I'm sitting on the front row. I never even met the pastor. I just took the meeting and agreed to go and, and went. And I'm sitting on the front pew, and people are walking up and realize I'm the preacher, that, you know, that night and saying hi and whatever. And I, I remember a lady came up with a walker, you know, with, you know, walking, took her a little bit to get right there in front of me and just, you know, said hi. And, and so, you know, I, I met her and whatever, and I met the pastor, of course. And, but I remember that night, I felt like at the end of the meeting, I said, I want to pray for people that need, you know, healing. And the, and the presence of God just was so strong and real to me. And I remember we prayed for people. I didn't pronounce anything over this lady. I had no idea what her problem was, and she came forward. And I actually remember when this lady came forward, her name was Sister Crook. She came forward, and I said, what do you want the Lord to do? And I remember she said, she was so precious, she said, I just hadn't been where I need to be. And I'd hear people say that back then. Now I would instruct them more, more wisely. But, you know, so I just prayed for her. And uh, standing right behind her was her brother that I later would learn was up, I think, from Perry, Florida, visiting her, really because of her health challenges. And so he decided to come to revival with his sister that night, middle-aged lady. Next night I go back, and I'm, my mind is so focused, I feel like I'm not a, even a halfway good preacher to even be there. I'm so focused on my own problem. My wife's in ICU, trying to look after the kids too, and my parents' help and stuff, and there's a lot going on. So I, didn't, I felt like I was pretty scattered. Are you with me? I go back the next night. Here comes this lady up to me again that I met the night before. But my mind is so scattered, I don't even realize. And so she walks up and she looks at me and she says, uh, Brother Dale, I just want to tell you something. Now. And I'm like, okay. And she says, uh, my walker, my walker. I mean, that's just how she said it. My walker, my walker. And I'm like, I don't have it. I mean, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I mean, really, that was my thought. I, don't have, I hadn't seen you, walker. You know why she was saying that? She was so pumped because she didn't have her walker. And she said, no, no. She said, I don't need it. God healed me last night. And then she told me the story. And, and she was having some kind of bone, uh, degenerative bone situation going on and, and things. And, and uh, 
the doctors had really told her she was losing muscle strength and there was a lot of stuff going on with her. Don't know a specific diagnosis, you know, the totality of it. But anyway, she had been told that she's going to continue in that condition. The more she could strengthen those muscles, the longer she would last as far as that part. And eventually she would get where she couldn't walk and be in the bed. And then once you get bedridden, then you can have all kinds of problems. And uh, that kind of was her future prognosis. Well, that night, and she said she hurt tremendously every day of her life. And she lived in Nashville, I believe. Uh, Georgia, and she would walk around the block, a square block where she lived there in town. She would walk with that walker every day as a regiment to try to keep her muscles strong and stuff. Her neighbors knew her. Her neighbors would see her. She said she got up that morning after we'd prayed for her that night. The next morning, she got up, reached for her walker, pushed up, no pain. That was totally unusual. She, really, she felt strength she did not have. She pushed the walker away. She took a few steps. She was totally healed. Totally healed by the power of God. Now listen. Amen. Give God praise. Now listen. This is her story to me. She, she, that day, she's so used to walking at whatever time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she does her deal. You know, you get used to it. So she walks, but this time, boy, she's getting with it. I mean, she's, she's just walking. And she goes right around the block. One of her neighbors, this is all true story, one of her neighbors is sitting on the front porch, this guy, and so he sees her go by. And he, and he says, that's Sister Crook. He goes in the house. He says, Sister Crook just went by without a walker. And his wife said, ain't no way. You just don't know what you're seeing. He said, I'm telling you that was Sister Crook. If I know her, I saw her. She went by on without that walker. So she goes and chases her down. And sure enough, it's Sister Crook. She tells this woman. This woman comes to church with her at my little church in Sparks later on. And I remember that night we had a fellowship after church. And I let Sister Crook come and give her testimony how God had healed her told us all about the medical and how many years she'd suffered. And, and she's, she's there before my whole church, totally healed. Something happened, you know, totally healed. And I remember we went back to fellowship, you know, and you eat the chips and the peanuts and, the, 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 you know, all that church stuff. And I remember that woman come sit right by me. And she was just sitting there looking at me. <laughs> you know, you know, when it hit my mind out of the scriptures, you know, like I think it was Peter and those guys that said, you know, why do you gaze upon us? It's why this woman was here. You know, I wanted to, I should have just quoted that, you know. But she was looking at me trying to figure out how did this little old skinny man out here in Sparks heal this woman? Because I did it in the name of Jesus. I did what Jesus would have done had he been there. But listen, because he was there, because he's in me. See, Jesus is in you. Christ in you. Not this Jesus, Christ in you. Christos, the risen Lord. The powered one, the one that overcome death. Christ is in you. Jesus in you'd be good, but Christ is in you is even better. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, you're not, you're dealing with, if I keep talking, I'll start talking in tongues and you won't understand. But the power of God, the power of God, and, and, and this woman was totally healed. This woman thought so much of me. I remember she just thought, the earth rose and set with me. She would come many times to my church, and I let her give her testimony several times. She just was just a dear, sweet lady. When some, God uses somebody like that in your life, you really love them, man. And I didn't even know, many, many years later, she died, and she had put in her will that I preached her funeral. And the funeral home from Nashville called me, and when she had died, she said, they said, it's in her will that you preach her funeral. And I said, I'll be honored. And I went and did it. I remember over those years, sometimes she would get something else to go wrong. Something would happen. Never did she ever have a problem with that. 
But I remember if she got the flu, she thought she could call me and I could heal her over the phone. <laughs> I mean, and her faith was so tremendous in that and her belief in God. And all her kids knew it. And I met all her kids at her funeral and, and they all talked about the day that God healed their mama. I've seen that. But one, but so not in every case. So in that case, my mind was scattered. It was on my wife. I, I didn't feel like I had it together. And yet a miracle still occurred but most of the time when I've seen these things happen in my ministry in life is when I had spent you know hours e even that day um, just, uh, Mary Lee Barnes back here wave your hand darling and I know she I hope she, she's told me don't worry about it. she don't ever get tired years ago we was having Feast of Tabernacles. It was my first Feast of Tabernacles that we were having here. When I first came here, I hadn't been here as pastor that long. And, uh, and she's sitting back there. She's a real lady. You can talk to her. And after the service, she'll probably talk with you. If you, if you if doubt anything I'm telling you, you can go ask her. And if I told something that's wrong, I'll come back next Sunday and repent and told you where I tell you, you know, and say I said something that wasn't true. I didn't know her. I had never met you. had a darling I'd never met her and I was so new to the church I didn't know who was and who wasn't part of the church you know but we were having the feast tabernacle and so I devoted that whole day to God six eight hours I didn't leave the prayer closet as we say I wasn't trying to earn nothing I just wanted to hang out with God and I seen these people like Paul Cain and I've heard them different people that would be used mightily of the Lord and they would go somewhere and lock away for 10 hours you know I remember I even heard one time they'd take Paul Cain and drive him from the hotel to the place of the meeting and he'd wear a blindfold and that I'd be like that sounds great he just didn't want to see anything you know what I now realize as a 60 year old man he's trying to protect his heart from unbelief and so when I'd spend eight hours, like that day with, when Mary Lee was healed, no words, so, so that night I give the testimony that I just gave you about Sister Crook with a walker. Now what I didn't know, Mary Lee, you was here with a walker that night. And she was weak, and, and, and in fact she was having a very high fever that night. And she felt horrible, but she also said, I believe you felt like you just should be at church. You should, there was some, you know, you should be here. So she came. And I, 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 you know, preached and did whatever. And I give the testimony because when you give testimony to stuff that God really does, then it really charges the atmosphere to believe. And it makes it possible for it to happen again. That very same thing or, some, or any other miracle that's needed among those people that are hearing those testimonies. And so I remember she come forward with a walker. Well, I had just talked about a woman with a walker, so here comes a woman with a walker. That's cool. And I remember some people, and it's not because I'm smarty britches, but I remember I hear some of the ladies and all that began to gather around her, began to pray for her hips and her joints and stuff, assuming that this woman here, Sister Mary Lee Barnes, was coming for the same thing that Sister Crook had. And I'm still learning, guys. I'm still learning. And I used to be a younger preacher, and I'd have jumped right on that pony and rode it. You know what I mean? But I've learned by mistakes to not to go by what you see. Or think and so I just stood on this stage and she was standing right there and I just said Papa what is it what is it Papa he said abdomen I stepped down to this lady and I looked at her 
And she actually had her head down on her walker. She felt that bad. And I asked her to look at me. And I said, I do not believe you're standing here because of bones and joints. But God says whatever it is is in your abdomen. She just simply nodded. And as soon as I said abdomen, I heard God say colon. And I said, in fact, it's in your colon. And she nodded even stronger. And I just said, I said, ladies, put your hand on her. And I put my hand on, on their hand. I don't believe in touching ladies in their abdomen. I believe in touching that one in her abdomen, but not in nobody else's lady. And I put my hand on her, and I declared, be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, I felt the power of God, but I've learned that don't necessarily mean something. So I'm not a person that run off at the mouth and say whatever it is. I can only do what I can do. After the service, our church administrator, Pastor Johanna, come to me and she said, I want you to come back here and meet Mary Lee. She's a member of our church, and, and, and uh, I want you to meet her. And she said, also told me, she said, in fact, Mary Lee said that she had a real high fever, and when you touched her, the fever immediately left her. Is that true? She said the fever, and so that immediately makes you feel better if you're not burning up with a fever physically. Now, when she told me that, I was like, well, and we, and back there, I stopped, you know, three-quarters way back, and I said, well, praise God. Hallelujah. And I wasn't going to say, well, whatever, you know, because she never told me, God never told me what it was. He just said abdomen colon. Now, you can make assumptions, but it's not wise to do so. Well, Mary Lee told me that she had a cancer in her colon. And, in fact, they were giving her treatment. And if I say something wrong, Mary Lee, it's just hard to woke, okay? But they were giving you treatment trying to shrink that thing down to where they could safely operate. Well, just a few days later, she went back to the hospital here. They checked her. She didn't have any cancer, any tumor, anything in her colon. It was totally healed by the power of God. And, and right there she is. And if I've lied, then me and her are in cahoots or something here. But that's the woman right there. Now, I wish I had a 100 stories like that. And I wish I never again ever buried anybody that suffered from cancer. But that woman was healed. And I look back on that day, and what it was was my, and I, you know, I, I, I'm to do what Jesus does, you know, if he was here. So on that day, I had spent like six to eight hours. Now, if you're not careful, you'll think you earned that, or you deserved that, or somehow you moved God. God's already moved on her behalf, and he did that on the cross. But do you, do you, do you understand? So th this is what sets this grace church apart a little bit. Not that I'm saying we're the better thing out there and nobody's got what we got. Yeah, I mean, I believe in grace and you're forgiven and all that, but I believe in the power of God to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and cast out demons. I mean, so you can call that one if you want to. But, and, and that's the part that we're missing. And part of it is we've got to be challenged again and, and, and so, listen, so if you get diagnosed with something and you stand on that verse that says, by his stripes I was healed, 1 Peter, you know, 2.24, I believe it is, by his stripes I was healed, and you claim it, that's faith. But then if you get on the Internet and Google every disease information about your problem, then that's that other team of horses pulling you with unbelief. So how do I deal with my unbelief? Starve it. If the Internet's causing you to unbelieve, get off the Internet starve your unbelief whatever's feeding that unbelief starve it 
Stop feeding that area. Stop listening to people that are feeding that unbelief in you. Stand on the promise of God's word because all of God's promises are yes and amen. And listen, if you, if you marry a yes and a no, you give birth to doubt and unbelief. So don't marry, a, don't say God's no sometimes on healing. No, all of his promises are yes and the word amen means let it be so. So are there promises regarding your healing in that New Testament Bible? Well, that means all of them are yes then. So you never get a no from God. You only get a no from religion or a no from your head. So if you go, well, you've been diagnosed with this, and you know, and you go, well, I'm believing God for, you know, that my, you know, my healing will manifest. And then if you put faith in the doctor's word, well, you'll be dead within six months. Then two different teams of horses, faith and unbelief, are pulling your wagon, and then ain't going nowhere, and it's not going to happen for you. Now, we think it's God's job to heal the sick, and that's what that man thought, and he put it off on Jesus, and, that, and Jesus put it right back off on that man. Because it's actually not God's job to heal. God's already paid for healing. It's our job to heal. That's why he said heal the sick. Well, I can't heal the sick. We know, taterhead, that it ain't your power healing the sick. Right, let's just knock off all the religion. We know that you're not the glow-in-the-dark healer. We, we're not confused on where the power comes from. <clears throat> but it doesn't come from heaven. It comes from in here. Because Christ is in you. And that's the hope of glory. And that's the hope of people having healing. And we need to let people know that there is still hope for healing. I don't care what your diagnosis is or whatever. I mean, there's just hope for it. And, and the problem is we get to going through this life and we feed that unbelief side. Now, your faith is not flawed. And don't run out of here trying to get busy to get more faith. Because God gave you your faith. And he gave you a good faith when he gave it to you. And that was faith of the Son of God. So did Jesus have good faith in God when he walked the earth? That's the faith you have. That's the measure of faith that God gives to every man. So you have the faith of the Son of God. In other words, you have the righteousness of the Son of God, right? You have the righteousness of the Son of God. Now you have the faith of the Son of God. So you have all of that. So your faith is not the problem. Your, your, your problem is just unbelief. And so just feed the things that causes you to believe so what helps? Just fill your mind with the Word of God. Focus on the Word of God. Turn off every feed of information that's coming your way, just warring against that. And that's why prayer and fasting, what does that do? It just makes you focus totally on the belief of God. Amen? All right. I want you to stand with me. I want our elders and all to come. And uh, I think it would be real cool to pray for people that need healing. Now, if you're here and you're sick or you've got something going on in your body, something similar to what I've mentioned, then to me, it's got to stir up some faith in you. These, what I've told you, because I've told you not only stories in the past, but of, uh, and i got a witness standing right back there. And, and so I don't care if it's cancer, if it's bone problem, osteoporosis, it, it doesn't matter what it is. And I don't have to call it out for the magic power to show it's not this is not a formula this is not abracadabra this is jesus and this is what he gave his church because he knew that we would need it what what a bad thing to live in this time period if god doesn't heal anymore because if god doesn't heal anymore then god should have stopped sickness anymore because we still got the same demons and devils and sickness and problems that they had back in those days 
And what a really sad thing for that to be available to them but not available to us. See, that's what religion does. It lies to you and tells you things that are not true. You feel like this helped you today? Helps you to understand? I want to tell you, if you've been saved one week, you can heal the sick. You can probably do it better than me. Because <laughs> you ain't got all the obstacles to jump over in your mind if you leave. Don't go by your mind. Don't go by your mind. Let me say something to you right here. All right? He's bringing this little person to be prayed for in the wheelchair. I didn't know they was in the building. But let me tell you something. Okay, look, look at me. And they're going to pray, but look at me. Okay, so they bring this little boy to Jesus, and he has a convulsion. Let me tell you what I've done. I've gone into hospital rooms unprepared for what I was going to see. I've had people say, come and pray for my this or pray for my that. I've walked in, and I've sawn I've tubes and holes in every part of their body, and, boy, I felt my faith just drain right out, I thought. But it wasn't my faith draining out. It was I allowed all that I could see with my natural eyes to make me disbelieve, to make me not believe. I want to tell you, our mind and what we see is powerful. It affects us. And, and you know, and you go, look at the size of that tumor. Look at that growth. There's no, and, and, and you just start having all these thoughts that are warring against that faith of Jesus on the inside of us. And, and, and it does take a degree. I don't know if it's discipline or just focus or what, but you can't feed into that. You can't go by what you see. Just because they come forward with a walker or a wheelchair, you can't go, well, let's just say, you know, well, I ain't never seen you, you can't do that. You can't allow that. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to Jesus. Amen. Jesus ain't going to heal somebody because he feels sorry for them because they're in a wheelchair. He, he's not going to do any of that. He's already done it by his stripes. And your prayer and fasting doesn't move God. It don't move the devil. But what it does do is it moves our heart to agree with him. Say all things. All things are possible to them that believe. Amen? So anybody wants prayer, I want you to step out from where you are. It'll be our honor to, to believe with you for your healing to be manifested. Isn't this cool? I mean, I love it. Come on. We'll be, we'll be honored to pray for you. Don't think, well, mine's not, you know, a big deal. Then it's a big deal to you. It's a big deal to God. Okay? Man, I'd love for all of you that are not coming and believe in, in the power of the Lord to heal, just kind of stretch your hand this way and just say, Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. <laughs> and just declare the healing power of God. Amen.